0: Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heaven Bound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds, but also preview what's
1: to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Jason had the opportunity of preaching this past Sunday. It was Mother's Day, and Typically, we like to bring something out about mothers or families or parenting, and the lesson as a whole was really about for all of us, but the emphasis was mothers who make a difference, and this is wrapped around a passage in Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, where Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. A great passage Great concept. And we'd really encourage you to go back to look to this lesson. We're going to kind of look at s- several different, uh, layers of this lesson today as we kind of talk about this. We like to go back to our lessons that we have preached before to give our home crowd something more to just kind of dig through this and to see. One of the things you learn from all this is there's a lot of stuff that goes on the cutting floor that doesn't make it to a sermon. (laughs) That's for sure. There's a lot of ideas, a lot of rabbits you can chase, a lot of directions, and for time's sake and for the sake of organization, a lot of it just doesn't get to be used, but this is an avenue where we can do that and allows us to kind of talk about some things that maybe just would not have come up in the sermon itself and gives us the time just to kind of stretch this sermon a little bit more, go back into our hearts and kind of revisit it and remind ourselves of the great truths that are found therein. and really the, the core principle throughout the, the lesson, and it's a really good lesson, I encourage you all to go back and watch it and listen to it, is that those who make the greatest difference in the world are distinct from this world. And we're going to come back and talk about that in just a minute. But one of the things I want to mention and just kind of kind of walk through here and have Jason give us some passages on is when we think about the mother of Jesus, Mary, she is found all over the New Testament. And I thought it'd be good just to kind of chase down some of those references, just kind of talk about them real briefly. Where do we see Mary? And it's not that she just gave birth to Jesus and that was it. We see her all through the life of Jesus. And there's some things we're going to make mention about that. Sure. So uh, obviously, we don't have the time to dive
0: into every one of those instances. But when we do see the mother of Jesus, there is So much to learn. We could spend uh, this entire podcast, this entire month, just talking about uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Of course, when we're introduced to her at the beginning of the Gospels, she is presented as a young virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph. And before they had come together, the Gospel writers tell us she was found to be with child. Now, obviously, this disturbs Joseph, who in a dream is given the message that the child conceived within her is of the Holy Spirit. And and Joseph is pictured as this just man who, from that point, of course, watches over Mary, watches over the newborn Jesus. If time allowed, we could talk about their journey down to Bethlehem, that Roman census, their flight to Egypt. But first of all, of course, we see her at Jesus's birth. She is blessed among all women to be the vessel of God coming into the world in human flesh. Roger,
1: when you move beyond that scene, what else comes to your mind? It comes to my mind when Jesus was about 12 years old, um, I think there's the incident even before that when it, when they went to the temple and dedicated yes. Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph were there. But uh, later on, when Jesus was 12 years old, there there was a feast day in Jerusalem. They are all required to go there, and they are leaving. And Mary and Joseph assume that Jesus is in the crowd somewhere. A lot of people going back to where uh, they were from, and two or three days pass, and they don't find Jesus. And they return back to the temple, and there he is sitting in the temple answering questions and asking questions, and it's at that time he makes this this great profound statement, I must be about my father's business. His father was not Joseph, his father was Jehovah and God but that that that's a great lesson there as we think about Jesus understanding his role and the the value of engaging in spiritual discussions with these people. If we flash
0: forward a couple of decades, Jesus is in his early 30s when we've got one Very memorable instance. I'll, I'll draw from Matthew chapter 12 where while Jesus has gathered quite a crowd, his mother and his brothers stood outside and they, they wanted to talk to Jesus and he replied to the messenger who is my mother and who are my brothers? Matthew tells us that he stretches out his hand toward his disciples and says, here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I've often tried to imagine what that would have felt like to Mary. We're not specifically told. We do know in that instance, Roger, you just very briefly mentioned when Jesus is brought to the temple as uh, uh, just a very young baby, that it was foretold that a a sword would pierce Mary's own heart as well as this child grew up. And of course, I, I think the greatest fulfillment of that is at the cross, But even hearing her son talk like this, I think would have stung a little, as she learns to share him with the world and learns that his mind is firmly fixed on performing
1: the will of his Father in heaven, come what may. And then uh, we fast forward just a little bit of time, and there we're at Calvary, we're at the cross. And Mary's there watching her son die. And there are no words that would describe what that would feel like. Uh, some of our listeners have seen their own children pass away. It, it's very unnatural. Uh, the child is supposed to bury the parent, not the other way around. Jesus is a young man. He's dying violently. He's been executed by the Roman government. There's lots of things wrong with that picture. And Mary is there. And while she is there, Jesus speaks to her from the cross. He looks
0: at her. He looks at one of the disciples whom he loved and he makes sure that she is going to be taken care of. She, he looks at Mary and says, behold your son. Speaking of John, he looks at John and says of Mary, his own mother. He says to John, behold your mother. So in the agony of this, excruciating death. You know, I just referenced what he had said in in Matthew chapter 11, but we need to make sure we don't get the idea he it's not that he did not care for his mother. He's putting the will of his father in heaven first, but in his last moments
1: he wants to make sure that she is taken care of. And that, and that's really the the obligation of the oldest son is is to take care of the parents and Jesus is making that arrangements. And then we go just a little bit ahead, and we find Mary at the grave. And as Jesus has been raised, Mary is there among some of the other women. And then we go to the book of Acts. Sure, Acts chapter 1. We read about, of course, disciples being
0: gathered together in Jerusalem. Jesus has told them to stay right there in Jerusalem, and, and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. He has commissioned his apostles. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there, and his... Brothers, we know, of course, that his brothers had been very skeptical of his claims. something had happened to change their minds, and of course, what had happened was his resurrection from the dead
1: Now you know we put all this together, and there's some takeaways that I want to talk about before we return back to this sermon here. One of the first things i want I want to mention and think about because of who Mary was, did she have a special Ticket to heaven? Did she was, was? You know, did she have to do what everyone else had to do? How how would we put her in in that in that picture of discipleship? Right, so
0: different from what so many of our religious friends perhaps have been raised in or taught from a very young age, purely based on human tradition and speculation. Mary was. Just a human being. Now, something extraordinary happened to her, but even in the way that she reacts to that and sings about that and reflects on that later on, she realizes the hero here is God. God is the one who is mighty. God is the one who is to be praised. God is the one uh, to whom we pray. Never in Scripture are we encouraged or told to pray to Mary. Never is she pictured as our intercessor. That's Jesus and the Spirit of God. Mary was a human being who needed a Savior just as surely as Esther or David or Solomon or Deborah in the Old Testament, uh, countless characters in the New Testament, it just so happens in accordance with God's amazing plan that she's the vessel
1: through whom that Savior comes into the world. Yeah, when we follow her, especially a little bit in the first pages of Acts, we don't see her being elevated up. We don't see the disciples bowing down to her. We don't see anyone ever calling her the mother of God. Those expressions aren't used. She was a disciple like Peter, like John, like the rest of them. She had to believe like the rest of them. She had to obey. She had to follow. And that's the understanding we need to have from that. But it's, it's a wonderful little study just to kind of run that through the Bible and to see the many places that Mary was throughout this, and that's, that's just kind of a neat thing to do. Now, back to the sermon, Mothers Who Make a Difference, let's talk about this backbone statement you made in your, in your lesson, Jason, where you said, those who make the greatest difference in this world are distinct from that world. So why is that so? Why is yeah, that so? Yeah,
0: I would compare it, maybe let's picture a river, and uh, uh, we've got a leaf blowing on the surface of that river and a big rock right in the middle of that river. Uh, the leaf is just floating along at the pace in the direction of the river, and that is exactly what someone whose heart is set on the things of this world, whose goals are all wrapped around this world and their brief time on this world. I'm just like a leaf being carried along in the same direction at the pace of this world, where in fact, of course, Jesus is presented as our rock on which we build our lives And when we plant ourselves there, we're not going with the flow. We're standing in many ways against the flow of this world, kind of like a lighthouse where light is shining from that rock who is Christ. In some respects, maybe we could compare ourselves to a fish that's swimming against the tide of this world, swimming upstream. That's all that I was trying to get across there from the very beginning. The world presents a variety of different ways that we can make a difference, and there are lots of differences that we can make without ever having a relationship with Jesus, but the greatest differences are those who aren't just going with the flow, those who recognize Jesus as Lord and are willing to follow him, sometimes uphill through a narrow gate but it is the way that leads to life.
1: And, and I like the analogy of a of a large boat or a rock in, in the river. You know, the, the water is going one direction, and it gets that rock, and it's got to go around the rock. The rock is so big, it cannot move it. And that changes the current. You get enough of those rocks in there, you get some white water, we sometimes say. You yeah. Get some rapids. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, the, it's, it's those permanent rocks that's in there that really changes uh, the movement of the river. And and that's what we're talking about here. It's it's somebody who is here, but he's not from here. He's from heaven. His his citizenship is in heaven, and he's he's got his eyes on a different direction, and he listens to a different drummer, we might say. He his concept is based on the gospel, and so he doesn't worry about the current culture. He doesn't worry about the direction and the flow of popularity. His heart is Jesus Christ, and that river that flows against him it's going to it's going to move around him it's going to make a little difference and he's going to make a difference as he stands for Jesus and that's that's just a great concept what would be an example of that maybe you pull from scriptures
0: yeah well i mean there are a number of people who stood against the tide of let's say temptation i i immediately think for instance of joseph he's a long ways away from home it would have been really easy for him to flow with the allurements of an older, powerful woman who is tempting him to do what would get the attention of a whole lot of teenage young men. But Joseph goes back to the rock, right? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God, there's an example of a young man standing like a rock against the pushes
1: and pulls of uh, of very strong temptation. I think in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22, as Paul's just about to finish that letter, he says, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Yeah. So within Caesar's family or Caesar's servants, there were those who became disciples because of the apostle Paul. Now, Caesar is very ungodly. Uh, Caesar would be the one who's gonna put Paul to death later on. And Caesar didn't go by anybody's rules, but his rules. But here was that rock and that river, and some in that very household heard that, and they were changed because of that. That's the difference we can make when we're not in the world were different from the world. Now, in the lesson, also you you referred to uh, the embodiment of grace. Mothers who make a difference embody Body grace. grace. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, so I, I just very
0: briefly referenced a few passages. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 9, it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Colossians chapter 4 calls for our speech to be gracious, seasoned with salt. Ephesians 2 reminds us we are God's workmanship. First Peter 4 teaches us as we've received gifts, to use those gifts to serve others as good stewards of God's varied grace. The idea of anything being embodied, it's it's an idea, it's a concept, it's, it's some principle, but when I embody that, I don't just talk about it, right? It's not just hanging in the air. It's not in theory. It comes to be a part of who I am, and it dictates how I live, right? And so if my heart is rooted in and strengthened by the grace God has shown me, I am going to learn to practice grace towards others in the way that I talk, in the way that I serve, in the way that I react to people where perhaps uh, if my heart is rooted in anger and wrath and bitterness, what comes out of me is those sorts of things. If my heart is rooted in and strengthened by grace, I will be a channel. I will be, uh, as it were, a, a walking, talking
1: example of grace. That's what we're, as disciples of Jesus, called to B. absolutely and that's that's just a great explanation of that and as we have been taught we teach and we've been saved we yeah. saved as we've been given grace we extend grace and that's just a great part of that back to this theme verse that you use back yeah. here in mark chapter 10 uh, again reading one more time verse 29 jesus says i say to you there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers, children and farms, along with persecutions and the age to come eternal life. Explain that a hundred times as much. Yeah. That's... That's kind of hard for us to grasp. Sometimes. It is. It is. I, I spent a lot of
0: time trying to think about the simplest way to illustrate that this past week. It, it strikes me as Jesus talks about what we had that we are willing to leave behind and then what we will enjoy now in this time. The one thing that he does not repeat is fathers and, uh, it, I can only speculate, but I, I feel pretty, uh, uh, rooted in my, the, the validity of my speculation that, well, okay, if I leave this behind to follow Jesus, I do have a father. I, I have my father who is in heaven, right? And that father now blesses me in the context, we would say at this point in history, in the context of the church where perhaps before I had one biological brother, one biological sister, maybe I have had to, in a sense, leave allegiance to them behind to embrace the the greater allegiance to Jesus. Well, is, is that going to be painful? Of course, it's going to be painful. But now in this time, what do I suddenly enjoy within the context of Jesus's kingdom? I have A hundred brothers, a hundred sisters. Now, that's not to say I turn my back and never think again about my biological brother. The goal is to get him to follow Jesus, my sister to get her to follow Jesus, just as surely as I have. What Jesus, I think, is is giving us a glimpse of is... Christianity is not a hobby. Following Jesus is not just a a weekend activity. It's a way of life that impacts everything. And it's not just, hang on, in eternity you will be blessed. We taste the blessings within the context
1: of the Lord's church even today. And, and I think that's a part we, we forget about. Sometimes We don't see the church larger than just our uh, local congregation. We think that's it. But when we realize we're part of a massive family that's worldwide – and that we could travel all over this country, and if we needed help, we would pick up a phone and just say, "Hey!" And, and, and after a little bit of conversation, somebody say, "Hey, we're we're related. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're brothers in Christ. I'll come to help you." I've done that numerous times. I've had people come and do that to help me out in different times. And it's just that that we have a massive family in Christ. And as you go to the first pages of Acts, what do we find? We find people like Barnabas selling land and giving to those who don't have it to try to help each other out. This is the concept here, is that, is that there there is a support system, there's a there's a benefit, there's an upside to being in Jesus Christ. You may have left father and mother, you may be alone. But you're not alone. Look what you receive. And that's just the the joyous kingdom of, of the Lord as we see this. Yeah,
0: you and I travel enough to, I mean, it happens over and over again. You may be in a place you've never been before to preach over the course of the weekend, but you talk long enough to those brothers and sisters in Christ that you've never met, and you're going to find mutual Christian acquaintances. I love how people at times will say small world, big family. It's not just a small world,
1: right? It is a big family, the family of God. Absolutely. That's, and that's just a powerful thing about what Jesus is saying here. That's not just in heaven. It's right now, one of the upsides of being a Christian. Well, let's talk real quickly about, as, as your theme of the lesson was, mothers who make a difference. How can our listeners make a difference? Maybe there's someone out there and they're single. How can I make a difference? Or a young couple, or here's a house mom, or here's a guy on his way to work, a businessman, or here's somebody who's retired and maybe they don't have a lot of interactions. How can we make a difference in this world?
0: Yeah, I ended in Philippians chapter 3, the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, and uh, it is just a, a wonderful section of Scripture that teaches us, reminds us that we are citizens of heaven and then gets down on the ground level as far as what that's going to look like. Uh, In Philippians 3.17, Paul says, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And I think that's a great note maybe here in the middle of the week for us to end on, that We are blessed with so many examples of those who have come before us, not just the Lord Jesus, but these apostles who embodied his teaching and that first generation of Christians we were talking about in Acts chapter one, all the way to here are our disciples in Philippi who are being told, keep your eyes on those who are not just talking the talk, but walking the walk and now for 2000 years that walk has been made by generation after generation and so number 1 if i'm going to make a difference i've got to walk the walk right i i am blessed to hear the talk But I need to decide, okay, I'm going to walk with Jesus as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I need to be this embodiment of grace. And then realize, even here in the middle of this week, there are people who have their eyes on you. Unbelievers who know that you are a Christian. I went across the street just uh, uh, a couple of days ago, and the uh, the lady that was cutting my hair uh, knew, you know, I worked just right across the street. She wanted to know if we were the ones who had paid to move this house a little down Charlestown Road. She thought that we owned this land, and I, you know i i hadn't seen her in a good long time i i wasn't even sure that she knew where I worked, but she brought it up she her eyes in in many ways are on me, and we have reminders of that all the time, little children, those who are struggling, those who are trying to figure out whether or not they actually can believe in the Bible, young disciples of Jesus all around us. Eyes of people are on us. And so I would encourage us here in the middle of the week, let's make that Philippians 3.17 passage personal. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to this example. That will make a difference in this world.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's a two-way look. We're looking to others, and then others are looking to us. And that that behooves us to make sure we're, we're looking at the right people to begin with and then that we are the right people because others are watching us. That's, that's just a great concept. Great sermon. I would encourage us all to look to that and to remind ourselves that all of us are in a potential that we can make a difference in the life of others.
0: So we were talking about big family, right? And our family has the opportunity to gather together this evening, 7 o'clock p.m. Roger, you're going to be
1: teaching in the auditorium. We are looking at the uh, concept of honoring God. This month, we're focusing on the lifestyle of honoring. And so we're walking through the book of Proverbs. So we're going to be looking at some Proverbs today that's going to be talking about how we honor the Lord. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we are
0: in part two of Who Were the Apostles? And tonight we'll talk about how drastically different so many of them were but that they were united by and in Jesus Christ. There are lots of practical lessons we can learn from that. We would love to see you this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. I've got the privilege of preaching this Sunday morning. I'm actually, Roger, you and I are going to talk this Friday in our podcast in Next Steps. That's our theme for uh, the month of May on Fridays. We'll talk a little bit about next steps for graduates. It's that time of year on Sunday morning. I'm just going to be in the book of James, and I'm going to try and embody, if you will, What would James say if he had the opportunity to give a commencement address to a bunch of graduates? There are so many practical lessons in that New Testament epistle. We would love to see you this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m., this evening at 7 o'clock p.m., opportunities to grow just abound all around us. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to this week at Charlestown Road. We're looking forward to these opportunities to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us.